Hi, and welcome to Pass the Golden Popcorn, an MTV Movie Awards podcast where we look at everyone's favorite People's Choice Award show and try and figure out who really should have won. I'm Kenny Sage, a foremost movie expert. And I'm Ben Gregg, a foremost kissing expert. And today we're here to talk about maybe the biggest one year yet, 1998. Uh, how are you today, Ben? I'm doing really well. Um... I slept in a little bit. I was up till three last night because um, I had to watch three of the movies on this list. But um, I did enjoy them quite thoroughly, or at least, at very least, I found a lot of them interesting. I was also up till three last night, and I was here on time. <laughs> but <laughs> but you found them interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, this year, um, this year was very fascinating. It had some of it had a couple of the most iconic movies in cinema it had movies about weddings it had movies about gay people it had movies about gay people and weddings it had a lot honestly yeah it's it's a big year it has some notable stuff and uh definitely this is one of the years that when i initially got onto my mtv movie award street last year and was like oh is there a podcast here this this was a year like specifically to ask kiss category where I'm like, oh yeah, no, there someone has to like talk about this because it's <laughs> it's a decision again. We'll we'll talk about like if the best kiss decision here was like the right decision, but it's certainly uh-huh. whether or not you like agree with who won, it's not something you would necessarily expect, especially nowadays where you know, something like the Twilight franchise can win for four years in a row, like, handily. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, do we want to do want to lift off the, the movies and nominees? Yeah, uh, first I'll set the scene a little bit. So the mm-hmm. 1998 MTV Movie Awards aired Saturday, back to Saturdays, May 30th, 1998. They were hosted by Samuel L. Jackson. It definitely seems like their biggest get yet for hosts, so I guess this is still pretty early into like his career. Mm-hmm. The best movie that year was Titanic. Yeah, it just seems like a, an interesting year. Um, other big films that got nominated that we won't be talking about include Face Off, the classic Nicolas Cage and John Travolta face-switching <laughs> movie. <laughs> a classic Dream 2 the sequel to Scream <laughs> Boston Powers International Man of Mystery Liar Liar and Men in Black so huh. what, a, what a year what a year 1998 the year I was born oh hey yeah, well, yeah this is like the first MTV movie awards of your lifetime and yeah. What a lifetime. Yeah, it would have been a couple months old. Yeah, and this is also notably the year where it's the last year they gave Lifetime Achievement Awards because they gave it out to Ron Howard's character actor brother Clint. And Clint gives a speech that's just so sincere that everyone was like, oh, if we give this to anyone else ever again, it'll just embarrass him. So. <laughs> oh, that's very sweet. Yeah, it's I found it on YouTube once. It's like yeah, I'll link it like in um it's 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 very nice. Um <laughs> but yeah, without 
much, yeah, much more ado because we're definitely gonna have a lot to talk about. So for Best Kiss 1998, the nominees were Joey Lauren Adams and Carmen Llewellyn for Chasing Amy, Matt Damon and Minnie Driver, Goodwill Hunting, Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet, Titanic, Kevin Klein and Tom Selleck, In and Out, and the winner, Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler, The Wedding Singer. So, yeah. Um... What a selection. I'll say normally we go in just order of how they're li listed, like, winner down, but maybe, I think we start with Wedding Singer, but then maybe we just then do Titanic at the end, because I want to give, like, the other three movies in between them their due before we just... Oh, yeah, of course. Um, So, yeah, The Wedding Singer, Um, I, I watched this one uh, last of the bunch, and I'll be honest... I'll be honest, I have probably the least to say about this one just because it was just kind of a like pretty standard like love movie. Um, yeah, I really just don't have much to say about it, it, it in compared to the uh, compared to like the wackiness of the other movies and as as well as the um, just like pure like uh, like cinematic and uh, and acting prowess of, of some of the other movies on this list. This one just kind of, it's like, it's a really good Adam Sandler, like comedy, but it's just very like, there's nothing kind of amazing about it, I guess. I mean, there's some people who say that maybe it's one of the better Adam Sandler movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would definitely put it um, like fourth after all of the hotel Transylvania movies, but I, I can definitely, um, I can definitely agree somewhat with those people. Yeah, I mean... Oh, and we'll be clear, we're just talking about the Adam Sandler like comedy type thing, so not just more... Adam Sandler makes one other appearance on the, on kind of the best kiss, and it's for one of his more dramatic roles in Punch Drunk Love. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, no, my, my one friend loves that movie. Yeah, it's really good. Um, But mm -hmm. yeah, this is one of... Yeah, one of like his comedies it's yeah i'll say i think he has some better comedies um grown-ups 2 misunderstood classic of its time oh i, I mean i remember me and my family saw grown-ups 2 um and if you don't oh, know this, i i have i have three other siblings um and we watched it with my mom and then there's that one scene where like the moms with all the kids and they talk about how, like, oh man, when like when a when a when a parent has that many kids, they end up just killing themselves. <laughs> and we, look, we all looked at our mom, and our mom was just laughing. Um, it's really funny. Yeah, um, yeah, um, yeah uh, I'm trying to think. Um, yeah, the wedding singer. I remember there was a YouTube animatic I I saw of of like a. Spider furry type character, um, doing Steve Buscemi's like little monologue at the beginning, and I never, <laughs> I never knew what that was from. I genuinely and like, I, my brain kind of filled in the gaps. I assumed it was like this very dramatic movie, and this was like the one of like the climax scenes. That's what I thought, 
I thought it was like the whole. <laughs> so it was just like a gag. At the yeah, it was just a gag at the beginning. I was so confused. I for the longest time, I thought that was like a like a big like dramatic scene at the end of like a a like self destruction movie starring Steve Buscemi. Um, so if we if we want to go on something, the wedding singer. Another thing that's of note of it is it's the first collaboration between Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore. Oh yeah. They go on to, so far they've made a movie together every decade. Uh, they do this one. A few years later, they do 50 First Dates. Oh. And then in 2014, they do Blended. And huh. it's just kind of a thing where, like, you, you know, the two of them are really good friends. And they've never dated, but they have, like, really good chemistry all the same. And, mm. yeah. and they actually... More for Fifty First Dates than this one because they did not get a Best Duo nomination here. Oh, actually, I think they did get nominated, but they didn't win because, of mm -hmm. course, it's Face Off here. But they yeah. were named the MTV Movie Award Greatest of All Time for Best Duo. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, again, probably based on just a combination of movies. Um, for the listener, last year MTV Movie Awards did not do a traditional ceremony because of COVID restrictions. So instead, they went through every year they had done so far and picked out the greatest of all time. Uh, we've yet to get to the kiss they've deemed the greatest of all time, but that is coming up in a couple weeks, so stay tuned. Oh, nice. Yeah. And I think eventually we'll have to do our own goat episode, where we pick the oh, real goat, the people's yeah. goat. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, a couple other, uh, I guess, slightly notable things. Uh, whenever... Whenever a joke absolutely slays me in like um, one of these comedies, I always make sure to write it down. Um, I'm not sure why, um, but the guy just wearing like the relaxed shirt in the kitchen and him just pointing to it and says, "You need to relax." I don't know why that was hysterical to me. <laughs> that was just I don't I don't I don't know. It wasn't. It's like not. I I don't understand it. It was so funny. Uh, same with like sideburns lady when he's doing that song. Um, uh Stuff like that just absolutely. This movie, I think, is incredibly funny. I'm I'm near certain it was just two a.m. and I was very burnt out. Um, but I, I still I still stand by that it is probably the oh, the least interesting and compelling movie in this list. Uh, I would say yeah. I would say it's like the most safe. Um, it's, I mean, it's the safest. I would say yeah. I certainly like it better than at least one of our movie on this list. Um, I, it's... I might, I, I probably will agree with you um, when we get to talking about it. Yeah, so, well, but we'll, we'll quickly run through just, like, quick summary. So the wedding singer, Adam Sandler, plays this guy, Robbie Hart, who is an amazing, like, wedding singer... The film is a period piece. It's set in 1985 in like New Jersey. So he's a wedding singer who's about to get married to this woman, like Linda. And at this wedding for this character played by Steve Buscemi and stuff, he runs into and befriends this waitress who's working there named Julia. And they hit it off and he promises he'll sing at her wedding even though her fiance who's this like business money you know douchebag type has yet to set a date but then on robbie's wedding day he learns he gets left at the altar basically he learns his fiance has changed like her mind 
So he's devastated and this kind of like affects his work as a wedding singer because he's no longer able to sing about being in love or whatever. He tries it once. It goes disastrously. It's really funny. It just sings <laughs> a song basically as about just wanting to die and kill me and stuff in. Yeah, and he uh, he's talking about if some people just will never find love. Um, yeah, somebody kill me. Original Adam Sandler song. It's yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, but then he gets talked into because Julia like finally gets at a date, and he doesn't want to sing, but she talks him into helping out with like the planning. And as he kind of helps out, like he and Julia grow closer, and they start to fall for each other. We'll, we'll jump around it because yeah. This is, there are some years where I don't know where all the best kisses are. This is a year where it's no longer there, but I found the entire ceremony on YouTube and watched it because I wanted to see which kiss from the wedding singer did it. And yeah, there's, there's two kisses in the movie, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, the one that got nominated and won is the practice one. Oh, okay. You know what? I really like that one. I, I think that one's really cool. It's a really neat scene. Oh, um, yeah, no. Like a yeah, like a worthy winner. Um, at least most of her years. Oh, I guess we can t- can talk about. There's a point where essentially he walks in and Julia's like having a discussion with her cousin. Yeah, about like how much tongue should be in like a wedding kiss, you know? Yeah, her cousin played by last year's nominee Christine Taylor. Just oh wow, there's a lot yeah, of from. Lot of yeah, very different role than Marsha Brady. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So her, yeah. So they're yeah, basically talking about a tongue, and then Ju- Julia is just like, well, yeah, you know, like you do a bit of tongue, but not like porno tongue. You do like church tongue. Yeah, church and, tongue. We're all familiar. Yeah, <laughs> and that her cousin's like, well, well, what's church tongue? Like, show me. And then she goes like, kiss her. She's like, no, no, not me. And then. Kind of, Robbie's just sort of standing there. She's like, oh, why don't you do it on him? So then, you know, like, they're a bit reluctant to, but they demonstrate. And then it is a very sweet kiss. Like, Yeah, it's a very, very, like, it's a very, very, like, very passionate, very real kiss. I liked it a lot. Yeah, and it's kind of the kiss that's really, like... It really goes a long way to selling you. Like, you know, there's some movies with those things where, like, oh, yeah, they have a connection, but this one, like that, and, like, the natural chemistry between Sandler and Mary Moore, you're like, oh, yeah, these guys have a connection. Like, it's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then there's a bunch of misunderstandings. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's a bunch of, like, so oh, many misunderstandings. <laughs> yeah, there's, like, a part where she's, like, so Adam Sandler's like, I have to tell her that I love her. And then she's like in her mirror, like crying, like because she's like saying like um she's saying like Miss and then I think like Miss Glenn. I'm trying to remember the last it's name. It's like Julia Gulia or something. Gulia, yeah, because his last uh, name is Gulia, which is a yeah. really good bit. Yeah. So she's like really sad in the mirror, like practicing like Miss Miss Julia Gulia and stuff like that. And then she's like really sad. And but then she switches it to saying like um like uh like miss julia like heart like miss miss robbie heart and she's like really happy and smiling right when adam sandler comes up and sees her 
So he assumes that she's just in love with Glenn and thinking of Glenn like that's her fiance, and he just leaves. There's a thing where he's informed that she's marrying Glenn for money, so he tries to pursue a job at the bank. And <laughs> that's another scene that was just really, really, really funny and just went nowhere. Yeah, it's like just a conflict where she's like, oh, because he she likes him because he's not materialistic. And then he's like, but well, but you're marrying for money. That's like materialism. And oh. there's a yeah, there's a bit where his yeah, he decides to only have shallow relationships because he's like, well, that's what what like my friend friend does. Like and mm. he's happy. And then his friend's like, no, no, I'm miserable. Like <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah, and there's like a there's like an old guy who's really funny in that scene. Who's just who just injects at random points. Yeah. And then lastly, there's a bit, because a- after this, oh yeah. Oh, and you also, he finds out at some point that her fiancé just cheats on her all the time. Oh yeah, he's like, yeah, he just keeps on like seeing other girls. Yeah, and he gets into like a fight with yeah, with him at like his bachelor party or or something. And it's a slow moment, but he goes home and his like and his own ex fiance is there, wanting to like reconcile with him. Yeah, you know it's like a a thing a thing. But then it cuts to like Julia, you know, goes to tell oh how she feels, but then runs into like his ex fiance who introduces herself as like here's current fiance, even though he then rejects her like right away, pretty soon. Yeah, yeah, he's he's not in. This convinces Julia, all right, I want to get married right away. And she runs off to elope in Las Vegas. Yeah. So then uh, Adam Sandler sort of like wakes up. He sort of pieces together what has happened. And he he goes, he goes under the plane really, really fast. Yeah. He has to get a first class ticket because that's all that's left. Yeah. Um, and then he, he meets Billy uh, Idol. Yeah, he meets Billy Idol. And he's just sort of like, he just sort of tells everybody in first class like what happened. Like just the plot of the movie, yeah. Like that's awful. And then they somehow he learns that they're on the same flight that he's on. Oh yeah, I'm trying to remember how that happens. They say something like, uh, "Like oh, this one, this one guy's like being really rowdy or like really like mean back in like coach." Yeah, that's how he figures it out. Like it's some. But then he plays the another song he's written, like over the loudspeakers, called "Grow Old with You." That's like really sweet. Yeah. And and like Ju and like he enters the main cabin, and Julie is there, and the fiance like tries to beat him up, but then all the other passengers and like flight attendants and Billy Idol shove him into like the lavatory. <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh, and there's a big fan for some reason. Just. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then they, yeah, and then they kiss, and it's sort of like it sort of cuts like when they're kissing into like their wedding kiss. Yeah, and Billy Idol's gonna get him like a record deal or something. Oh yeah, he's like, I really like that song. I'm gonna have to show some people about it. <laughs> yeah. And then it ends with yeah, and then they get and then they get married. Robbie's bandmates perform at their wedding, and it's really nice. <laughs> yeah, it's a very very nice ending. Yeah. Um. One interesting thing is, 
Well, I had not. I had watched this movie for the first time a few months ago, but the scene on the airplane, um, there is a ABC sitcom called The Goldbergs. I've not the, heard of that. Yeah, it's set in the eight. It's basically a family sitcom set in the eighties, and Happy Madison Productions like makes it. So, but they do a lot of episodes that are like eighties homages, and there's kind of an episode near like the middle of the run where the main character's older brother and his girlfriend, who's who was like a longtime character but was leaving to do a spinoff, but they do an episode, they do an arc where they're planning on getting married while they're still still in high school or freshly out of it. But the timeline's always kind of weird on that show for like because they they'll just jump around to keep so they can keep doing like high school stories and stuff of characters, but. It's basically a thing where they run for the plot of the Wedding Singer, and it's set canonically in the Wedding Singer universe. Um, <laughs> John Lovitz, who has a brief role as this like sleazy, sleazy guy, appears as his character, and he's like, "Oh, Robbie Hart's not in the game anymore." Oh, <laughs> and then it culminates on the airplane where they just intersplice clips from like the song on the airplane, but it's used for these two characters to realize, oh. We, d- we don't belong together. Like, we're not going to be like them. Oh, that's super interesting. Like yeah. So that was, like, my first exposure to that scene. I'm like, oh, maybe I should watch the Sweating Singer movies. <laughs> oh, that's super interesting. Yeah. But no, uh, yeah, pretty good movie. Very, very good pick for the, for the kiss. I like the kiss a lot in that one. Yeah. So next up, we have Chasing Amy. Yeah, oh, what a fascinating movie. Yeah, um, fascinating is a good word for it. <laughs> yeah, I, I like, oh, I, 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 oh, I started watching it, I was like, I, I got like a couple minutes in, and I was like, okay, this movie kind of sucks. It's like, ah, it's like a bunch of, it's like every character's really witty, and that can get really grating. Um, it's like, see, I always have trouble with these things. It's a Kevin Smith movie, which I think. Oh, what, oh, what other movies has he made? Um, Mallrats, Clerks, Clerks Uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, I think I have, yeah, I definitely have like the most written down in uh in this um there are a couple of good jokes when when um cameron is it uh llewellyn uh yeah Car- carmen llewellyn it's oh sorry my bad that's that's not the character i'm thinking of sorry i wrote down them in the wrong oh cameron way. yeah you're yeah i think you're going with the actress name hold on oh um joey Lorraine Adams. yeah uh, her yeah Alyssa. It's yeah, Alyssa. Yeah, um, there's like a scene where she asks like uh, Ben Affleck, like, "Do you play darts?" And he says, "Not professionally, only in bars." And that was really funny. Um, oh, this movie is just. Yeah, I, I feel like I can try and give like a plot synopsis of it. I guess. Um, yeah, go for it. Yeah, so the movie starts, and there are these two guys who like make comic books about a character's name, Bud and Chronic. They're like weed superheroes. Um, 
one of them's Ben Affleck. Uh, <laughs> and the other one, um, I'm trying to remember, what's his name? He's, uh, is it, it's Dwight Duell, right? It's Hopper? No, it's Jason, or it's oh, Jason Lee. Oh, yeah, Hooper's somebody else. Yeah, he's Banksy. Uh, Banksy yeah, right? yeah um, Hooper is like their friend who's, yeah, who's like yeah. openly gay and it's just. Yeah, right. Oh, my God. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, so they're, they make comics. Um, and uh, James Lee's character is like really homophobic. Um, there's a lot of F slur in this movie. Um, and they sort of uh, they meet this this girl at the like sort of comic book convention or at, at like the bar after. Um, and this is um, Alyssa Jones, uh, Joey Lee, Joey Lorraine Adams character, and him and her and um, the Ben Affleck character really like hit it off. And then it's revealed that she is a lesbian, um, and this like uh like makes first of all like it makes like uh um Ben Affleck's characters like really like in love with her so they like start spending like a lot of time together and like there's a bunch of like I, I guess this is the point in the movie where like the, the the nominated kiss happens. Um it's between um Alyssa Jones and Kim, the two characters. Um it's like a it's an LGBTQ kiss. Um they're like together. Yeah, this is, it's yeah. a moment where, like, it's it's kind of the reveal. The reveal yeah, of, like, like, her sexuality. Yeah. Where she's singing this song at, like, the bar, and it's about, oh, how, like, attracted she is. And Ben Affleck thinks it's about him. Then she goes off and just kisses this woman at, like, the bar. Yeah. And then, um, and yeah, and then, uh, yeah, her, her girlfriend, Ben Affleck's character, and Jane, Jason Lee's character are all hanging out. They have like a eating out girls montage story montage about like different entries they got doing it. Um, it's like becoming like very apparent that Ben Affleck's character is like really falling for her. Um, so they start hanging out. Um, Jason Lee is like pretty homophobic, so like he's like really weird about everything. And then yeah, they start spending time together. And then um, at some point, Ben Affleck sort of confesses his love. Um, and she's like, she's like, kind of like, kind of like upset about this because like, um, I think like becoming um, like gay to her was like a really big decision. And she doesn't want to just like throw that all the way. But then she does end up being with Ben Affleck because like they realize that they really, really, really love each other. Um, they end up like sleeping together. And this really upsets um, Jason. Jason Lee's character because he's like really scared of losing his friend. Um, and then, like as they're sort of dating and being together, he kind of learns Ben Affleck's character learns that um, that Joey uh, Joey Adams character has like been with other guys in like high school and like really like in like really um, like sort of kinky raunchy situations. Um, and this like really upsets him. He's like pretty insecure about it. And then that ends up that ends up with them sort of breaking up. Um, and then this, I, this is why I think the one of like the final scenes is why I feel really conflicted about this movie, um, because Ben Affleck sort of invites um, 
like Joey Adams' character Alyssa and Jason Lee's character Banksy to like meet together, and his solution is that they all need to have like a three way to like figure it out. Which like this, that, me saying that this this sounds like this is some sort of like like broy like like college American pie movie, but it's like a very serious scene and he kind of lays out like why he thinks this will help. Cause he, I think he sort of finds out or it's kind of left a little ambiguous, but he sort of discovers possibly that Jason Lee's character, Banksy is like gay. And that's why he's like closetedly gay and he like loves him. Um, And then they kiss at a point. Um, and he sort of like he's sort of like yeah if all three of us like have sex that'll solve everything, um, and Joey Adams like sort of explains like why like this wouldn't be very good because she's had like experience with stuff like this about how like complicated it can get, um, and she ends up like just like leaving because like she's just and she's like she's like kind of even I don't I don't know if she she feels like she kind of feels like insulted about the fact that he would even like, he would even like want to share her with anybody. I guess. I think that's maybe one interpretation. It's like a really weird scene. Um, and then it jumps to a year later where um, Jason Lee is like making the, making the comic book solo. Um, he's at a convention and then he sees Ben Affleck's character um, like in, in like, like a little far away and they wave at each other. And then Ben Affleck goes up to, uh, Joey Adams' character, who, like, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention, also makes comics and sort of like gets her to sign a comic he made about their story and about um, like how she like taught him about like I guess like having like being um, being like more like open to stuff like that. I don't think I missed anything, did I? Um, yeah, I, you know, you definitely got like think most of the big beats of the film, which is yeah. impressive because I don't think I forgot for all the beats of the film without this. Yeah, going, this, at some point, this movie is pro- like it's one of these things where I think I oh, it's like I don't know. It's definitely like offensive, and I think it definitely gets like a lot of like things wrong. Um, a lot of like the lesbian stuff feels very like male gazy. Um. Yeah, yeah. Normally, it's a film that kind of implies, or at least has characters that imply that like Alyssa's not possible. Like it never, like the word bisexual never really comes into like yeah, yeah. I, play I wrote, or is said and yeah, I wrote that down. I was like, was was were bisexuals like not a thing yet? I I wrote that down in my notes because like I was very confused about why it was like felt like she couldn't be like both. I guess she is by the end, maybe. Yeah, there's. There's a thing called like bi erasure, basically, or also oh, no. known as kind of biphobia, which is this idea that like bisexuality yeah. isn't a thing and you're just being indecisive or like yeah, doing whatever. I it's heard about that. Um, yes. So that's what some people feel this movie is kind of presenting. I guess yeah. Kevin Smith like was sort of frustrated with this a bit because like he tries to aspire to be like a pro LGBTQ. Filmmaker yeah. and like you, you know, it's like brother's gay, and he does believe that sexuality is more fluid, but yeah, maybe that doesn't come across as much. And yeah, I think this movie is definitely. Um, I don't think this movie has like any bad intent behind it at all. I, I think this movie is someone who like genuinely like is like pro LGBT, 
that just is not is gonna sound mean but just is not like talented enough to like handle topics like this without <laughs> without getting things wrong um i because i feel like this is like a really well-intentioned movie um to like how like but it also like gets weird things wrong like that one scene where like um like joey's character like goes to like her like lesbian like all lesbian friends and like tells her about um like ben affleck's character holden and like they're really like oh like you're with a guy which like i don't i don't know if that's a thing it feels really weird it feels like they're like trying to like two side the bigotry a little bit which is like kind of weird i don't really i maybe it is like a, a problem in like the the LGBT community maybe like it's kind of a thing but it's not something that's like yeah well, you like, wouldn't be your entire friend group wouldn't like hate you because you were dating a guy yeah the film maybe does not spend enough time on like yeah what jerks or like friend group would be for this it's yeah. more like it no. plays into her feeling alienated and like maybe she's doing the wrong thing but yeah. like it uh, yeah, and like, yeah, that that's perfect. That's like a really neat idea. I think it's just executed really poorly in the movie. Yeah, and but, it's interesting that this comes up this year, especially because we'll talk about like in and out in a few minutes. Like, uh, yeah, um, like, like a, yeah, it's a very yeah, very uh, different movie. But yeah, um, I just want to make sure I kind of yeah. Uh, sorry, I have like stuff written down. I want to make sure I get through or I, I get like the important ones. Um, I guess yeah. Did you have any sort of like big thoughts about the movie? Yeah, it's definitely a movie. Like Kevin Smith is a very particular filmmaker. It's he, th this film is kind of a lot of his early films are sort of interconnected, and in that they'll often share characters. Um, like Jay and Silent Bob. Like he he plays the character of Silent Bob and stuff. In they're yeah. kind of these big recurring ones, and they pop up. That's yeah. uh, something we didn't talk about. Is you might be wondering, wait. If the character's name is Alyssa, why is this film called Chasing Amy? Oh yeah. Oh, I yeah. I really liked the Bob monologue. I think it's very cool. Um, yeah. So there's yeah. like a scene eventually where he's talking his troubles out with like these fans of his comic, uh, Jay and Silent Bob. Like the the joke with the thing is like Silent Bob doesn't say a lot. Like Jay does most of the talking, but then. All of a sudden, like Silent Bob reveals that he was in like a similar situation with this girl named Amy, and like he loved her, but thoughts of her promiscuity, which like, that's also a a thing that's like annoying about this that Ben Affleck spends so much time on. Oh, she's had a relationship with guys in the past. She did a threesome once. Like, yeah, he's like he's like that upsets him like a lot. Yeah, um, it's a kind of like slut shaming that is. <laughs> just really not definitely doesn't play well now like yeah and it's not like the movie's supporting it but also again oh, it's yeah. maybe not interrogating it like it should yeah exactly but, like yeah like i said i think this movie i think this movie points the gun at the right problems i just think it shoots itself in the foot sometimes with the execution it's <laughs> a really like, good way of putting it um, yeah i feel like i feel like it definitely it, it like wants to like do these like pretty like homophobic things to like demonstrate how i guess how bad they are but it's one of those things where like i can't remember it's like a quote from somebody i don't remember who but it's like satire ought to be careful lest it um like become the thing it's satirizing and i feel like that's one of like the biggest pitfalls of this movie 
um is just that it like it like uses like these like homophobic slurs is like a way to sort of i guess like um like show how bad they are but like there might be people that just watch this movie that just like think they're really funny um i don't wonder at yeah. the time if like how much harm that would have done like at, even especially at the time too and like gay acceptance is like um was like a little more like a lot more shaky than it is like now yeah i would also say it's maybe a film and something that kind of went in is a lot of these films in this view askew universe as kevin smith calls it were sort of biographical in some way and something about about this is kevin smith and joey lauren adams actually dated for a couple years and uh-huh. didn't work out but they're like still friends but essentially he came up with this film as sort of a tribute to her and he considers like holden ben affleck's character to be the protagonist that's most most like himself so maybe that explains some of the things where he just kind of relates to this character too much to understand that maybe the story should not be from his perspective yeah um yeah, I wish that this movie had like a little more time to go into um Jason Lee's character. Cuz I think there there's definitely especially at the time, I feel like there must have been there probably could have been a really good conversation about people that are like pretty like deeply closeted and that sort of comes out in like really like harmful ways. Oh, should we know that that's also like a I think uh, a kind of a bit of a stereotype where like oh yeah anyone who's deeply homophobic it's because they're like gay which yeah is... exactly that, that could also they could also play into that like really hard and that could also be pretty harmful as well um i think the mom from zach and cody's in this movie too um oh, is she Just... i think she's one of like the one of like the gay friends i, I paused the movie and i tried really hard to like find out um i was too lazy to actually like look at the cast list but um if she if that's not her um sorry for applying stolen valor um <laughs> um yeah i think i got through all my notes um the the last like scene in this movie was super compelling and i think i think it definitely like made me go like this probably this is like not an unsalvageable movie there's like something pretty kind of interesting here that like honestly like kind of really intrigued me yeah, and I'll say um, this film did get, I think, a lot of like acclaim. Like it, it was considered at least at the time one of the better like Kevin Smith films, and you can kind of see why. But it's just it's it definitely it's has not, not aged well. And, yeah, it's it's got a lot of like problems, and you definitely need to watch it with like the lens of like this was like this. Uh, you got to look at it the lens of like the time and like understand that like there was there was no like malintent. That doesn't mean it's like alleviated from like criticism or anything, but like understand that like this wasn't like a movie like if this movie came out today there might be like malintent behind it yeah um, if it came out like exactly the same like it, it would definitely there would i think like our conversations around the stuff of like evolved so much that maybe just like weren't that were not like understood or, or were able to be tackled by by kevin smith um but I, that being said though honestly like a really interesting compelling movie my recommendation, uh, watch it at two times speed. You'll crank it out in like less than an hour. Um, yeah. And before we move on, I am checking the IMDb page of actress Kim Rhodes who plays the mom on Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, and she was not in this movie. Okay, then there was a very person that looked a lot. To, you know what? To be fair, 
she kind of looked like what the, the mom from Zack and Cody. She looked like her when she was in Zack and Cody, which I I guess maybe she could probably look the same after ten years. Um, but that was a good correction. I'm glad I'm I'm glad I'm not spreading misinformation. All right. Well, moving on to one of one of the more iconic films on this list, um, Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, um, I watched Good Will Hunting with my friend Ian, and it was a very, very good movie. Yeah, this list, this this year is super weird, because, yeah, it has, like, kind of, like, really, like, silly comedies, and then it has, like, some of, like, the most iconic, like, greatest movies of, like, these are, like, movies that have, like, stood the test of time for, like, really long. Uh, I guess my one quick note is that I thought this movie had hunting in it, uh, with the name, I think about 20 minutes from the ending, I went, oh, his name is Will Hunting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you just, you were just waiting for them to go hunting? I'm waiting, I was waiting for him and Robin Williams to like go hunting or something. That's what I was waiting for. You assume that's where like the it's not your fault thing was gonna be? Yeah, just... I was assuming, I also like, I, I was, I think I asked Ian, I was like, is this the movie with that scene? Because, um, because like it also has the other iconic scene where like um, oh, what was it where, where he's like where he's like yelling at at the at Mini Driver's character because that's another like really iconic scene. And I'm like, there's no way this movie has two iconic scenes. Um, but yeah, I, I was like, I think like 20 minutes, and I was like, oh wait a minute, his name's Will Hunting. It's Goodwill. Oh, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> I was expecting them to be in the forest at some point. Yeah, this is there's a couple movies in like the '90s that I think just have memorable scene after memorable scene. Like yeah. this is one Jerry Maguire is kind of another where like you hear ten lines from Jerry Maguire and you're like, wait, those are all from the same movie. All those iconic lines. <laughs> exactly. You're like, oh, this is the one where like it both has like Robin Williams like just telling him it's not your fault repeatedly, but also it's uh, I yeah. I'm off to see about a girl movie. Like it's oh yeah, and then it's also the um like the best part of my day is the ten seconds right before I pick you up because there might be a chance that like you're not gonna be there, and then that was also in Community. <laughs> yeah, Community just a really good bit of that joke where like Abed <laughs> does it for Troy and this thing about oh should he go be a plumber and then Troy's like that's terrible. Really, Why would you say really this to mean. me? <laughs> Oh, that's really funny. Oh yeah, also like Ben Affleck getting getting a double feature in this list as well. Oh yeah, Ben Affleck is in two of these movies. He's not nominated for either one. Um <laughs> Ben Affleck's first nomination, I believe, will come with a with Bounce, a movie I watched recently, which is gonna be insane to talk about. <laughs> but... Oh, I can't wait. It's a little tease. I'll tell you the premise of this movie off mic. It is like nuts. Um, oh, I can't wait. Yeah. Um yeah, Goodwill Hunting. Um I'll I'll give a pretty pretty uh I guess brief summary unless you want to. Um, oh, you can do it. Yeah. All right, cool. So yeah, so um it's about um Matt Damon's character Will uh, Hunting. <laughs> Will Hunting. Um he's he's like a janitor at at a Where is where does it take place? It takes place in like is it New York? I always always miss. I feel like they say it a million times and I always Is it Boston? Takes place in Boston. Oh yeah, <laughs> iconic Boston boys like Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. 
<laughs> Listen, I was too busy waiting for when they were going to go hunting. I couldn't pay attention <laughs> to stuff like that. Um, Jeez. Um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, so he's like a janitor. Um, he's also a bit of a riffraffer in his, ta- in his town with all of his friends. Um, MIT is where he works. Yeah, he works at like a, yeah, like a, um, at MIT. And then there's like a, a really tough equation on a chalkboard um, that he solves. And the, the sort of facility managers like take notice and the, they find out that he's like, he's like a hyper genius. Like he's incredibly intelligent, not unlike, um, uh, and Travolta and Phenomenon? Is that what yeah, you were getting exactly. at? I was trying, yeah, I was trying to remember his name. Uh, I don't know why iconic character. The <laughs> iconic character from the iconic movie Phenomenon. But yeah, they sort of um, realize that and they just want him um, proving mathematical hypo- hypothesis. And, um, but uh, he gets into like a big fight um, and he's going to be sent to jail. Um, but the the teacher at MIT, one of the teachers is like, I'll like I'll stop you, but you have to work with me like once of the week, and you also have to go to therapy once of the week. Um, so he sort of burns through a bunch of therapists because he's like really good at like re- he's like really good at like reading people, and he sort of like therapizes the therapists um, to like the point where like most of them just quit. And then the the MIT MIT teacher has like an old friend from school, Robin Williams, um, who is I think he's like a therapist now, so he gets him. And him and him and Matt Damon sort of have like matching energies, um, so they kind of like hit it off, and like they're both trying to like read each other. Um, so they're both like getting therapy, and while this is happening, um, he also um, meets Minnie Driver's character Skyler, who's in I think it's medical school, right? Or uh, like yeah, microbiology. I'm trying to remember which one it is. Yeah, she will. Yeah, I think it's yeah. She wants to go to like. Yeah, medical school in Stanford. Yeah. For yeah, so they start dating and like hitting it off. Um, and Matt Damon is like a pretty—he's like a character that's like really smart, but he really doesn't want to be like vulnerable. Uh, so yeah, there's just like a couple scenes where like his like sort of worldview and like how he views things is like being challenged by Robin Williams. Um, he's getting like a bunch of like offers from the from like the school like the MIT school but it's just not something he's super passionate about like he doesn't get any fulfillment out of it. He's like really insecure and scared that like Mini Driver's character Skylar like is going to like not like him if he finds out that he's like he's like an orphan. Spoilers, he's an orphan. Um and all this tension sort of like culminates in like a pretty big fight they have where where he's just like where he, I think he he doesn't want to move away from from Boston, but she kind of wants to like move to California for school. Um, but he just he wants to like stay like where he is. Like he has a lot of a lot of his identity is like tied to like um, where he's from, like with all his friends and stuff. Um, so they have like a huge fight. She ends up going. He ends up like staying, um, and then he sort of like talks to his friends about it. I'm I'm not sure which which happens first. I might get the order wrong here, but he sort of talks to Ben Affleck, and Ben Affleck kind of gives him like the speech of like all like all of us would like kill to have something you have like and like the fact that you're squandering it's like kind of messed up. Um, and then he and then I think after that he has like his talk with Robin Williams where he goes like it's not your fault a bunch of times and he has like a he like he like breaks down crying, and then I think um, 
Oh, sorry. And I guess like something overarching while this is happening is that the teacher from MIT, um, like really, like really wants him to like go into this, like even at the cost of like his like mental health. Um, so he has that talk with Robin Williams. He sort of like comes to terms that like he's gonna go, he's gonna go to California, um, to see Skyler. And um, this like kind of makes the MIT guy really upset. But he's like he's kind of chilled out, and him and Robin Williams have like a nice scene where they sort of reconcile because they've sort of had this like weird rivalry throughout the movie. Um, because like the the MIT teacher sort of went kind of all into like the mathematics, whereas the Robin Williams character more went into into like um, psychology. I think. Yeah, I'll say yeah. Yeah, there's only some tension because like he keeps setting up job offers and he keeps not taking them. And before he actually goes to like California, he does take one of those offers, but then ultimately is inspired to like do it. It's also part of the reason this is hard for like him and Robin Williams is because like you find out they're both sort of from abusive backgrounds mm-hmm. and they both kind of have this similar stuff. So Robin Williams kind of sees it as himself in a way, but yeah, his decision to go to California is ultimately inspired by this thing Robin Williams, like, because there's a point where he has this story about how he missed, I think it was like a very, uh, like a big championship baseball game. Yeah, it was, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of it, but it was, yeah, it was this big, like, big play that happened, like, it's a very famous play. Yeah, the, like... The 1975 World Series Historic Game 6. But, like, that was the night he met his wife, who has, like, died recently. And even though though she died, like, he doesn't regret it. Like, but he, but I guess he had told his friend, oh, he missed the game because, oh, he had to go see about a girl, which is a line that Matt Damon later throws back at him when it turns out he's moved. Because eventually Ben Affleck does show up at his house and he's not there. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. which is a good just a really good scene and Ben Affleck plays it well where he's just so happy he's gone like he's, yeah <laughs> yeah but then there's yeah. also a letter where he's like so he's like sorry I couldn't take that job I had to go see about a girl and then Robin Williams is just like son of a bitch stole my line <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> um yeah no this is just a a really really good movie like definitely worth a watch i definitely fused i definitely thought a lot of this movie i think like probably through watching and i was like wait does this have robin williams with it because i was confusing it with dead poet society and i'm like there's no way he's in both that couldn't happen um he's either in one or the other and i know he's in dead poet society yeah no he was in both (laughs) (laughs) this is the film like autumn is oscar oh yeah um yeah and as for the kiss ah it's 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 all right um the, yeah. I, again, this is like a movie where like the love story is used more as like a vehicle to explore like the 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 like mental health and psychology of Matt Damon's character. I'll um, say one detail about the kiss. It's they're at a diner and he's like eating and talking about how he wants to kiss her, and then she's like, "Well, let's get that out of the way." And then they kiss, <laughs> and she's like, "Oh, I got your pickle." Which, <laughs> yeah. It's, how it's, do you feel about food swapping and kisses? Like, oh, <laughs> uh, I think really strange i feel like um i would hate it if it happened to me but maybe when you're in love you don't notice you know maybe that's a testament to how much how much passion they were feeling for each other at the time yeah it's 
it's definitely like a first one. And I can see like maybe why that's memorable enough for it to get like a nomination, but it's also like, yeah. oh wow, that's kind of like unhygienic. Like it's Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, I don't really have um a lot to say about this one. Um it's just a good movie. Like there's just um uh yeah, definitely a hundred percent recommend give this one a watch. Yeah, it's a film where it's definitely like hokey, but like it it works. Like it's oh, I do actually have a story I found where Matt Damon and Minnie Driver dated for over a year after meeting on Goodwill Hunting. Oh, and wow. I guess and I guess at one point they were like both in love, but there was a point where Matt Damon decided Basically, it's a story I found where Minnie Driver was in really in love with Matt Damon, and then all of a sudden he she kind of found out. Well, he went on Oprah, and he said on Oprah, he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm single. I'm not in a relationship right now," and he hadn't oh. broken up with her, but he announced it on Oprah that they were over. Oh no! But then he oh. was on David Letterman a month earlier, saying, "Oh yeah, yeah, Minnie's great. I'm crazy about Minnie." Like. <laughs> So oh, she man. was really hurt by this, and, you, you know, they didn't really, like, stay friends uh, after, but, like, even though she kind of wish, wishes it, but so a few years ago, she's like, yeah, no, that kind of sucked. Like, it's... Yeah, oh, no, I imagine. Yeah. Oh, no. I guess, uh, I guess, yeah, that really stinks. Yeah. Um, also, I, I don't, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, sorry, go on. Oh yeah, also just this film got other nom it also got a best movie nomination and best male performance and then best on screen duo for Damon and Affleck. Yeah, but it, it lost to the clearly better duo that year. Um John Yeah, Travolta. Nick Cage and John Travolta. <laughs> for face off. They had that one locked up. Face off rules. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um yeah, I guess my yeah. last little note is that every time every time I think about Matt Damon. Um, I think first I always confuse him with Mark Wahlberg um, and like the things they've been in. And the second is that I always think of downsizing and then I get frustrated because I was thinking about downsizing, um, <laughs> which is a movie about which is a movie about fellas becoming small. But then it's also like not at all about fellas becoming small. It's it's ugh. don't let the poster fool you. This is not. This is not a awesome uh, "Honey, I Shrunk the Kids" movie. It is a a lame, boring about like the a relationship movie, and the fellows just happen to be small. Mm, so you would not recommend downsizing that. I, I've actually I, I've never seen it. I just watched a super cut of it. All right, I wanted to find like funny <laughs> scenes of him being small, and I couldn't find them. Oh, so so you're just assuming here? Yeah, uh, maybe it's an amazing movie, but I will never know. Okay, so, well, if that's being said, then we can move on to In and Out, which is one of the one of those films I think you know was a nice, pleasant surprise for me. I'll lay out a bit of backstory. In so in in 1994 or 95, Tom Hanks wins his Oscar for his second Oscar for the movie Philadelphia, in which he plays like a gay man who has AIDS, and in his acceptance speech. He makes note of his high school drama coach and then this classmate of his who like he's like, oh, yeah, two of the finest gay men I know. Like I was like really inspired by them. But, you know, it's like a nice little moment. But someone out there thought, hey, 
what if one of those people weren't out of the closet? What if they didn't even realize they were gay yet? <laughs> Which led to this movie. I didn't know that was the. I didn't know there was a real life uh, parallel or the real life inspiration. That's so funny. Yeah, um, Philadelphia a much more better thoughtful film than the yeah. one that gets nominated here. <laughs> but In and Out is a laugh riot. I, I there's no other way to describe it. Um, yeah, it's there's so many little jokes in here that are just the just and just the characters' dialogue and the insane stuff they say is just so funny to me. Yeah, it's a very funny movie. Uh, yeah, we'll preface this by saying you know it's definitely a film that's kind of of its time. And yeah, I think yeah, I think it definitely runs into like a lot of the same problems I think Chasing Amy had, where like I don't think there's any ill intent, but there's just stuff that could be like misconstrued and like is maybe just not as informed as it could be. Yeah, um, Frank Oz, the director of the film, is not gay. The screenwriter and producer were, I believe, and... It's one of those weird things that, um, like, comedy movies sort of, like, run into, especially, like, really exaggerated comedies, where, like, um, you need to be, like, very careful, like, which, like, stereotypes you were playing on, I guess. Yeah, yeah, but definitely, yeah, I agree with that, like, a thing where, like, it's, it's playing on, like, stereotypes a bit, and... Yeah, and like it's one of those things where like um, it would be, I think it would be infinitely more um, like problematic if like everything else wasn't also so exaggerated. I guess, I guess that's kind of yeah. how like I see because it. it's a it's a super campy movie. Yeah, it's very um, tongue in cheek. Yeah, that's a good word. That's a good phrase. Yep, directed by Frank Oz, Fozzie Bear himself. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I remember. I think I did the a similar thing where I was. I wanted to like find out like um, like was he part of the LGBT community before I sort of like ha- like I guess like it helps me sort of I guess like develop thoughts on this. Realize like oh like how how I guess um problematic is this? But honestly, again for its day, pretty fair. Honestly, yeah. I feel like for, for its time, it could be like a lot worse. Um, but yeah. That being said, though, oh, I I was. This movie, in my personal opinion, was a laugh riot for me. Um, yeah, I really scene, like this movie. There's a scene at the end that's like a, it's kind of like an oh, captain, my captain, but they just keep on saying that they're gay. Yeah, also kind um, of like, yeah, sort like of like a, I'm Spartacus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, do you want to give the rundown of the movie? Do you want me to? I can give the rundown for this one. You've given like a couple of, yeah, so it's, yeah, so the film is Kevin Klein, the, the great Kevin Klein, is this, he's a well-liked teacher at his school, he teaches English, he lives in this fictional Indiana town, he's there with his fiancée, uh, Emily, played by Joan Cusack, who has recently lost a lot of weight for their wedding, which is, like, a, another thing where, like, you're almost wondering, you're like, this is fat phobic, but then it becomes kind of positive, sort of. Like, it's hard to explain, but everyone is excited because uh, one of the one of the former, like, one of his former students, one of the former people from this town, Cameron Drake, played by Matt Dillon, who is going to suddenly pop... He's going to be a, a Best Kiss nominee next year for a very interesting film. Um, but he is here. He's nominated for Best Actor for his 
role in this film to serve and protect where he plays a gay soldier. So a couple things to note. The Oscars traditionally airs in like February, late February, a nighttime in winter. Um, in the world of this film, it is airing seemingly around May because this film seems to take place about a, in, over the course of a week or so and in the middle of day. Um, other interests of note just about this Oscar scene, the Oscars are presented by Glenn Close. Uh, traditionally, though, like I think this year it wasn't necessarily the case, the Best Actress winner from the previous year will present Best Actor and vice versa. So in this universe, Glenn Close has not won an Oscar, and this has led to her making a lot of like films late in life that seem to be aimed at getting her one. But in the In and Out universe, she seems to have an Oscar. So that's nice. We, this film to serve and protect, we only see a few scenes of it. It's it's incredibly exaggerated. It's really funny. Um it's like it definitely is playing on stereotyping where it's this soldier who always saves his platoon, but then they're looking in, they're like, we found this, yeah, saw in VHS of beaches and all this stuff to like that shows he's like gay, so he's discharged. But his friend in the wheelchair is still proud of him, but he leaves his friend in the wheelchair on the steps. It's no, really no, that, funny. It's I would I would ironically watch that movie. Um like the the parody movie. It seems, seems awesome. Yeah, it's really funny. Um he's nominated against such luminaries as like Paul Newman for Coot, uh Clint Eastwood for Codger. And then there's oh, I forgot. I forget all of them, but it's like Jean-Claude Van Damme gets nominated for something called like a snowball's chance in hell, which is just a really good bit. But uh, Cameron Drake like wins the award and he gives this acceptance speech and he's thanking his former teacher. He's like, he means a lot for me to me. And it's like, yeah. And then all of a sudden he's like, yeah, he's like, and he's gay. And everyone is um, shocked and surprised. No more so than Howard, like Kevin Klein's character himself. And it's a thing where he goes around telling everyone, no, I'm not gay. I don't know what he's talking about. But reporters begin invading his town, uh, kind of led by openly gay entertainment reporter Peter Malloy, Tom Selleck. And it's, it becomes this thing where he, the principal of his school taught, like, Bob, played by Bob Newhart. One of those classic Bob Newhart roles where he's just uncomfortable with everything. Kind of tells him, I don't like the attention the school's getting. If you're gay... He doesn't say he'd get fired per se, but he heavily encourages him to go through with this wedding. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, yeah, a lot of implication there, yeah. Yeah. And it's this thing where he has not slept with Emily yet, and she always assumed it was because she was like overweight and they were just kind of and just not attractive to him in that way. And but he decides he's going to go through with it. Um, oh, yeah. There's also like a runner where his mom really wants this wedding to happen just because she's been planning it because she loves planning weddings. And his his dad is like classic 
old, like old kind of Midwestern cowboy type Wilford Brimley. Who's just sort of quiet, quiet and going on. And he has like a brother who's trying to help. And oh yeah. Cause people keep bringing up like, you know, you do like Barbara Streisand a lot and your house is like impeccably kept. Oh yeah. Barbara Streisand like, is brought up so many times in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and it's something where you're like, okay, it's a stereotype, but then, it does get there's one really funny bit about that all there's a point where he eventually has an encounter with Tom Selleck's character, who is like talking to him and they have this fight that leads to the film's kiss, where Tom Selleck winds up like kissing him. And it's it's twelve seconds long, which I think is the longest uh, like a uh, kiss between two men in like a mainstream Hollywood movie had happened to that time. And it's kind of this, you know, it's this moment that comes with attention, like, it, it's not like permission wasn't really given, but also Kevin Klein's clearly into it. And I guess I had heard something somewhere that a lot of audiences had not realized that Kevin Klein was going to turn out to actually be gay. Like, they assumed it was going to be just about, oh, this wacky misunderstanding, but he goes through with it in the end. And this is kind of yeah. the moment where you're like, "Oh no, yeah, no, he's gay." Like, it's... yeah, yeah. Up to this point in the movie, it kind of it kind of seems like it's going to go down that road of like, "Oh, this is just sort of be like a wacky misunderstanding." But there's a part where like he he hikes his whole leg up of uh, of Tom Selleck's back. Yeah, it's and it's like this big. It happened in the middle of the road. Apparently, the kiss took them like two days and over forty takes to shoot. <laughs> and people kept getting distracted by seeing these two big like actors just kissing on the road. Oh, no. Just passerbys and stuff in, but um and then there's this really good scene where like he plays this self-help tape that's supposed to convince him he's not gay. And then but it's also <laughs> this thing where like I will survive starts playing and he just starts dancing joyously to it while the tape's like, don't you dance! Don't you dance! Don't do this! Like, And it's like he's watching him in. <laughs> and oh, again, it's like a stereotype, but it's a really good scene. It, it is and, a really funny scene. It is very, like, exaggerated, absolutely. Yeah. And probably, like, I think the scene that's going to be, like, the one that's maybe actually, you know, maybe actually might mean something to people, like, yeah, and this is a film, you know, it's a mainstream comedy about, like, yeah, coming out, sort of, but it's not necessarily aimed at, like, a gay audience, which I think is also a note to it, but... Uh-huh. But, but eventually, it gets to his wedding, and it comes to, like, the dude, to the vows, and, like, Joan Cusack gets through all her vows, and then when it gets to him, and instead of saying I do, he says... I'm gay. And it's this yep. big thing, like, he follow, he follows her out, and there's another scene where Joan Cusack just gets really mad at him, which is very fair, because, like, obviously, you know, he didn't know this about himself until just prompted to by a realization. But it's yeah. also, like, she's she's been through a lot, and we see yeah. this really funny thing where, like, he or she opens the door, and she's like, does anyone know how many times... I had to watch Funny Lady. And then he's like, no, he's like, you don't understand? It's like, it was a sequel. Barbara Streisand was under contract. And then, like, uh, in the film's the, one yeah. F-bomb, she's like, fuck Barbara Streisand, and you too. 
<laughs> yeah, no. And then it's like, oh, there's a really also like right after that, there's a really funny scene where she like goes to the bar and is like really upset. And like Tom Selleck is like there to like kind of like console her. And then she like tries to like hit on him. And then he goes, I- I'm sorry, I can't. And it's like, I'm gay. <laughs> it's, it's just like, like, is everybody. It's a really good like setup. It's it's a really funny one. Yeah, it's also a thing like, oh yeah. See, this is one where like it's even though Tom Selleck's ostensibly is love interest, you don't get a ton of that. Like he gets mad at him afterwards because he's like, you know, he's like, oh, I'm I'm proud of you. He's like, I just blew up my life. What are you talking about? Like, get yeah. out out here. But then at the end, they seem to recon- reconcile, maybe. But mm-hmm. he. He gets fired. He gets fired, and there's a runner with like a couple, some of his students who are just unsure what to think. And he's helped the one get into like college, and he's like, "Oh, so is everything a lie? Like he has this big secret from us?" And the person's like, "But you know, he helps you get into college. Like, is is like does this change anything just because he's gay?" And while this is happening, Cameron Drake, Matt Dillon, like. Is on his, is off somewhere with some his this supermodel who he's mad at like his this girl who never wants to eat and it's just there and he's like oh you're so shallow but he finds out about this whole controversy and realizes yeah. oh maybe I screwed up somehow so he <laughs> yeah. decides to come back to help and it, like he runs into Joan Cusack's character it's this really like ni- nice scene between them where like. She was also his like former teacher, but like he goes on and he's like, you know, I always thought you were beautiful. Like, and I actually like you all. He doesn't quite say I preferred it when you were like fat. Like that's kind of just the implication of like the thing. Mm -hmm. But he he just then says, oh, you know what? Anyway, he's like, you know, women with social media bones. But like, it's really like it's this nice thing between them, and they wind up like kind of dating at the end and eating happily but it culminates to this big graduation ceremony which even though he's been fired he's allowed to attend it and he's not going to but he has this really nice moment with his father who's like you know you owe it to these ki- kids oh yeah so like he so he shows up and oh, really it, quick that, that i think that scene i think that scene with his father ends with him going just like are you still gay which is like it, yeah <laughs> it's just it's a it's a pretty funny like little uh little endearing thing. Yeah. Funnily enough, his dad's also like he plays the father of one of of like Cam on Modern Family, like one of the gay characters there. So kind of has like a bit of typecasting as like the the stoic but ultimately sweetheart dad of like the yeah. gay protagonist. Um mm-hmm. But it builds to this big teacher of the year ceremony where uh, at the graduation where it's given to like one of his colleagues, which is kind of like a jerk. And then all of a sudden Matt Dillon shows up and it's like, well, wait, why didn't he get it? And then they're forced to admit uh, he was fired. Like it's just causing too much like attention. And but I guess to a thing where he's like, you know, it's kind of what the community wanted. Like the community wasn't going to accept him being around and, Eventually, his student who he got into school stands up and announces that he's like, hey, you know, I'm gay. Like, if the problem is one of influence, he did all this stuff. He did all this stuff for me. He helped me. So if this is what being gay is, then, you know, I must be gay, too. And 
then like his friends join in two of them very willingly the other the other one very reluctantly but he I think he's is is like what he says is that he's just, he's like he's like I still totally like bang a lot of chicks and a lot of chicks love me but I hate it and I'm gay. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like a, like an insecure kind of guy. By like Wet Hot American Summer Zach Orff, who's just mm. really good at being like the side character who just said, says <laughs> things. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then it, and then suddenly they're like, "Well, yeah, you know, kids, but you know, it's a community issue." And then his brother stands up and it's like, no, "Well, I'm gay," and they're like, "Oh, he's like, you're, you're his brother." He's like, "Yeah, yeah, you know." And then, so, and then like the rest of his family stands up, and then eventually the whole town kind of goes up. And initially, it's people who they're like, "You know, I run the dress shop. I'm the designer." Like, and. Who's like, like the one guy who's a postal owner? Where he's like, he's like, I'm a federal employee and I'm gay. Yeah, and there's like a blurry line between how much of this is actually like, you know, so how many of these people are actually coming out and how many are just standing up in support. But eventually he goes to a thing, and then I was like, well, I'm still teacher of the year. But then Matt Dillon's like, well, maybe he needs a different award, and he just <laughs> he gives him his Oscar. His Oscar. <laughs> and then it ends with him and Tom Selleck at a wedding. His parents' vow renewal ceremony. Yeah, it's kind of played like it's like a little bit of a bait and switch where you think it might be their wedding. Yeah. Um, which I was I was like, wait a minute. I was like, when did wait a minute, when did like I know I know gay marriage is a was like not it's a quasi recently. I was super confused, but it was just like a bait and switch. Yeah, and then everyone dances to like Macho Man. <laughs> uh yeah, a very, very campy movie. Um, very tongue-in-cheek, very exaggerated movie, um, but made me laugh. Yeah, it made me laugh a lot, too. Like, it's just a really good film with a lot of good jokes. Um, yeah, it's a, very, it's a very, very funny movie. And again, like, as you can tell, like, it's it's not perfect, but oh, no, it's also, definitely... you're like, it's a lot better than it could have been. Yeah, and... exactly. It, it, it definitely, it's, it's no chasing Amy. <laughs> Um, yeah, but it, it definitely, yeah, definitely like it, it's, yeah, but it's, it's also like very like tongue in cheek and nothing is, um, I don't feel like, yeah, nothing is like mean, I guess in it. Um, and like nothing, I guess like it's, and again, like it's always kind of very similar to chasing Amy. I feel like it's always a lot, a lot of the jokes are also like kind of like pointing at the right people, I guess. Yeah, definitely making yeah more fun, like the bigots and everything and. You know, it's like a gentle message of acceptance where here you're like, yeah, okay, I get it. And maybe in 1997, like, you know, maybe it changed some some minds a bit. Like, it's hard to say. It's Yeah, it, it's really hard to say, like, what uh, like what this movie did in that regard. Uh, one other thing I think interesting to mention about this movie is it did, in fact, get an Oscar nomination for Joan oh, wow. Cusack's performance. Oh, wow. Huh. Pretty deserved, I'd say. She's very funny in this. Like, it's oh yeah, like, no, she she's like, yeah, she's definitely one of this, absolutely one of the standouts. Like, she like carries a lot of scenes. Yeah. So, you got anything else to say about In and Out? <laughs> no, I think, um, yeah, no, I think I said everything that I wanted to say about it. Now we can move on to Titanic. Yeah, uh, man, over eighty minutes into this, and we have just got into Titanic. <laughs> Listen, it's this, cool. movie, it's, this movie yeah. was a, this year was a very compelling year, I would say. Yeah. Um, 
definitely like... a major year. The most... yeah, absolutely. Titanic. What's there to say about Titanic? <laughs> well, I feel like I should probably get this out of the way early. Um, half of my notes are just about... Um, you have seen the things where it's like, uh, Jack could have easily fit fit on the on the door, right? Yeah, he couldn't have. They explicitly he, show he, he could not. They show exactly. And then there's also people that say, um, "Oh, they could just on the same page about yeah, this." Yeah, yeah. And then there's also people that say, "Oh, they could have alternated." But like Rose is like almost dead. Like, and she was on the door the whole time. If they alternated, they would have just both easily died. Like, there's no yeah. way. There's no way that, like, her being on the table the entire time, there's no way some system of, like, alternating would have not resulted in both of them. That, that yeah, half, we half get time. it. You like Jack. The, like, <laughs> it doesn't mean, like, he easily could have survived the events no, of this film. Not at all. Like, it's... <laughs> yeah, because they clearly both, like, try to get on, but they can't. Yeah, you like it sinks into the ocean. Like I, I had heard this for years. It's like the big plot hole of the movie. And then when I watched it for the first time last year, I'm like, wait, this is what people were like mad about for like yeah, twenty I was, years. I was expecting the door to be huge. I was expecting it to be massive, but no, it was just a regular. It was just like a a door, and like they both they both clearly try to get on it initially. But like it would show that it would have just sank. So that's just the big thing that um, if there are any listeners that haven't been um, that haven't been door pilled on the issue. Um, I guess this is that that's that's it right there. Um, there's no there's no good case um, yeah. for for Jack being able to make it on there. Um, Another yeah. thing we should bring up is you mentioned to me the other day because you had just seen seen Titanic that you were unaware about any of the framing story that oh, makes yeah, up a I good was, half an hour of the movie. It does. I was and um, yeah. Also, this is a movie that is like almost three hours, I think. Um, but it's like three hours fourteen minutes with yeah, credits. To its to its credit, though, I it I did honestly didn't even feel like that. I I it honestly this movie is like really really good in that regard if that that's like usually for me that's like a really good indication that like movie was like really good when it's like super long and i don't notice but yeah i had no clue about like old rose and like the expedition team and i think i knew her like throwing the jewel at the very end but i thought that was i thought that was just like a last like ending thing stinger i didn't know there was like a good like 30 minutes of like people in like underwater uh like submarines, like like digging up old parts of the Titanic. So wait, have you never heard the bridge part of Oops, I Did It Again, where like some guy's gone and retrieved the jewel from the ocean for Britney, and she's like, oh, you shouldn't have. No, sorry, what's that? The Britney Spears song, Oops, I Did It Again. I don't know if it's on the radio edit, but on the album, there's explicitly like a spoken part, and it's in the video where this guy has come, and she's like, look... He's like, look, I forget if it's like, if they explicitly say Titanic, but she's like, I thought the old lady threw that into the ocean at the end. He's like, well, I got it for you, baby. And she's like, oh, <laughs> you shouldn't have. <laughs> I did not know about that. That's amazing. But yeah, no, I had no clue about the framing. I thought the movie just start to finish was just, uh, just taken from the, just like the, just the past. Yeah. Yeah, no, but the, fr- 
the framing the framing is good i think because it helps like you it sets up some things like it helps set up some mysteries because like you know that this woman was on titanic you know that she will ultimately survive it and then yeah. they set up stuff like there's like you know at some point she'll get painted kind of like naked or drawn kind of naked like and then they also mention stuff where it's like you've heard the stuff on titanic about like the ship or like the or the musicians who played with as it went down, like it sets up all this stuff. But then I think it really does an interesting thing of trying to get to like the heart of the matter of like, you know, what a tragedy it was and yeah, what like um, what a thing it was of like class. And mm-hmm. oh, yeah, that, that's like a really interesting element. Um, now that you bring that up, that does open the door. Um, so maybe she's an unreliable narrator, and maybe the door was actually huge, but she just said it was small in her story. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know how much we should go into this. And yeah. like, the only thing I know she lies about is she definitely had that jewel, and she throws it into the ocean after he's like, oh, "I get it now. I understand Titanic." Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no. This this movie is, is does have a lot of like, um, like sort of like uh, like class like um, like class division um, in it as well. And like how yeah. that like shapes your perception and like how people are like treated in that way. Yeah. Um, I guess we can get into a, qu- a quick summary for people unfamiliar with Titanic, one of the highest grossing movies of all time. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Spoiler but, alert, it sinks. Yeah. So it's about this treasure hunter looking for a jewel. His, <laughs> his, his name is like Brock something, Brock Lovett. Like, hmm. Actor Paul F. Tompkins sometimes plays him on comedy podcasts, comedy Bang Bang, and he's re- just does a really good impression. But it's essentially this guy who has done this, done this exposition to find he's lo- to, he's excavating the Titanic, and he's looking specifically for this jewel, this jewel that was like purchased before, and he only knows about through an insurance thing called the Heart of the Ocean, and he's running out of like time to find it, and this old woman rose essentially sees it on the tv and call calls him and he's able to believe her story because like they haven't mentioned the jewel specifically but she's like aren't you wondering what happened to the heart of the ocean and that gets him into she's this she's this over 100 year old woman who then kind of narrates the story of her voyage on the titanic of a young woman who is essentially going on this ship to New York with her mother and her fiancé, who's this just real piece of work, played by Billy Zane. Just mm-hmm. as, got a Best Villain nomination. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. And and meanwhile, so Kate Winslet's like character Rose, yeah, so they have boarded this ship. She's like 17. It's something. Meanwhile... Leonardo DiCaprio's guy, Jack, he's this, he's this poor guy, he has, like, this life, it's, believe he's, like, in Italy, and he and his, and he and his friend, who the movie loses track of a lot until he gets, like, killed by the ship, but they, they win tickets in a card game to, like, Titanic, and it's not, like, the best tickets, it's, like, the third class, which is kind of the dregs of it, but, you know, it's Mm -hmm. a chance for a new life. Yeah. So, so they get on the so they get on this ship and then um Rose, despite being upper class, she's also like a woman in 
the 1910s and her fiance is like a jerk and like her mother is really forcing her into this because the family has like financial problems. So she goes to the boat and she is thinking about jumping. And Jack, who again, he's like an artist and he's poor, but you know, he's there, but like he intervenes and he sa saves her. And this kind of starts up a friend friendship forum. Like her fiance sees and Rose is like, oh, Jack saved my life. I was looking over the edge and he saved, saved him from falling. And you know, the fiance is a jerk. He invites Jack to dine with them in first class. And it's this like tense thing, but you know, third class, that's where the fun is. That's where the cool parties are. Oh, yeah. I don't know why, but the the the, the dancing in the, 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 the sort of slum area, it reminds me of that one scene in Elf. Where oh, yeah. It kind of reminds me of that when they all start, like, they're on, like, the bar, like, the mail room, and they all start dancing. Classic comments why. to Terry on class, Elf. Just... <laughs> uh yeah, yeah, no, and, go on. <laughs> yeah, so um obviously like Rose, her mother, and Cal disapprove and she kind of rebuffs advances, but then just realizes that she likes spending time with him more. Um there's other stuff going on. There is a subplot where like the guy who designed the ship, he and Rose have like a friendship, and she's like, hmm, it's weird. There's only enough lifeboats here for like half the people. And then he's like, oh. Yeah, I was gonna have more, but then it was too cluttered, so they made me get rid of a bunch of them. But it's fine. Like it's yeah, yeah. The, the Titanic's unsinkable. How could it even? Yeah, um, it culminates in there's this is a film where there's a few kisses, but luckily I've seen which one gets nominated, and it is during one of them. There's two iconic scenes involving people just proclaiming stuff from ships. There's an early one where Jack, when he's on the Titanic, like kind of clamps to the top. He's like, I'm king of the world. And then there's this scene where like eventually he and Rose wind up on the bow of the ship as the sun is setting. She leans out and he holds her and she's like, I'm flying, Jack. I'm flying. And they share this beautiful kiss. This really good, really romantic, really passionate kiss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm trying to, I, I'm trying to remember if this is before or after he draws her like one of his French girls. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. At one point he draws I, her naked and they yeah. like have sex in like the carport. I think this. I think that's after the I'm flying scene. I think. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah. But yeah, but he poses her wearing this part of the ocean necklace, which, oh yeah, which is also how they know that like know about it in present day kind of that's that's part of it and there's also a goon oh yeah her fiance has this goon he's like a valet who's like following them and they have to like ev evade him then they see um oh yeah because here's the thing about titanic the ship hits the iceberg at about the halfway point of the movie and we spend 20 minutes in the present. So you're really only on board the ship for like an hour before suddenly yeah. it crashes into it. And, but then again, even though it's three hours long, like this thing moves. And then a lot of it becomes about, oh, they hit an iceberg. How serious is this? Um, there's a lot of shenanigans. Oh, right. 
they're trying to inform people about the collision, but her fiance frames Jack for stealing the necklace oh, and yeah. gets him arrested and restrained as the ship has actively hit an iceberg. And oh yeah, he's like he's like cuffed to like a to like a pipe as like the thing is like flooding. Yeah. So the so that comes to the first thing where she has many opportunities to board one of the lifeboats. Um, they say it's like women and children first, but then there's also a thing where it's clearly like the rich people who are getting first priority. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, like they're, they're like there's even they're not even like letting certain people or like they're not even letting like the people in like the really low cabins even out of there. Like they're not unlocking the door. They even let them like get to like the boats at all. Yeah, and as this like film like takes pains to show you, there are plenty of women and children still on board when this ship sinks. Yeah, absolutely. You see at least one dead like kid. Like just Oh yeah, yeah. That's oof. I didn't know you could show that in movies. Yeah, I mean like well, we saw it with Macaulay Culkin. Like We but, did. Yeah. But even then like you you just see like glasses and then his body at the open casket funeral, but um I digress. <laughs> yeah, so she goes to save Jack. Her fiance is like trying to kill him, kind of. Oh, yeah, because he also decides rather than get on a lifeboat right away, he'll just chase them around the ship. Um, mm -hmm. But then it gets to a point where she has an opportunity to get on a lifeboat, and he, the fiance, and Jack both kind of encourage her to get on, and her fiance is like, look. I can get both of us uh, both of us off safely. I have a connection. Like, oh yeah, that's also a thing of people just bribing people to get onto lifeboats. Oh which, yeah, yeah, there's also that. Yeah, there's a lot going on in this movie. But as the lifeboat boat lowers, Rose realizes that she doesn't want to leave Jack to this. She realizes her fiance is probably sketchy, and she jumps on and she jumps on board. Oh yeah, this is pro this is where he's chasing them around with like a gun, like shooting because oh, he's because yeah. he's trying to get the oh no he doesn't know about the necklace until he gets a so but he runs around and then ultimately gets onto a lifeboat boat but he finds a lost child and he passes it off as his own and that's how he gets on a lifeboat but then he realizes that this diamond this valuable diamond which is probably the thing he really wanted. Was was in his coat, which he had given to Rose. Oh yeah. So he has just lost this to the sea, basically. Then Jack and Rose they get to the deck. Um, the ship is continuing to sink. the The band is playing on. The captain just stands in his like at the mantle until water takes him. Like it's. Mm hmm. And the violin players are just playing until the end. Yeah. Then there's this. It's the stunning scene where all of a sudden the boat turns like halfway and it's just over in midair and you're like, oh wow. And then it just breaks in half. <laughs> oh yeah. I also um I got I got uh I got tricked. I got tricked by a Twitter video that was like, I can't believe the scene's in Titanic, and it's when the guy hits the propeller falling. Yes, they, I have heard this story. They they added like a thong noise, and I was like, "Oh, that's they, there's no way that's in the movie," and it wasn't. And I, I was I was lied to. I thought there was a big thong sound, but he just oh, I mean, it. there's a noise because I had also heard when I was like 15. I I had attended this seminar on like 
dating or something with some people from my like church youth group and this guy like mm. tells a story about being on a date in Titanic and laughing at the specific part in <laughs> theater so maybe it's just louder on screen and oh, getting it booed it is funny it is yeah. a little yeah <laughs> I'll say I get it cuz I think oh that that year even yeah. and this is getting onto a tangent me and my friend saw Spider-Man 3 at midnight, oh, and no. there is a moment where uh, Peter, oh, under the influence, <laughs> slaps Mary Jane, and my friend let out a very nervous, ha! Huh? And then someone's like, dude, not funny! <laughs> I thought you were going to talk about the part where, um, where, uh, what's it, uh, James Franco, like, like, hits his head really hard on the metal pipe. No, no, no. I guess uh, that's more related to, like, yeah, weird I noise. That, I thought that's so, where you were going. No, just a story about intense audience reactions when you're yeah. in, like... I'm sure this movie must be insane to see in theaters. Like, Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, if this um, ever gets re-released, I'm definitely gonna go. Um, yeah, um, yeah, and if you're out there and you don't think that the, um, the guy hitting the Titanic propeller isn't funny... I recommend you add like the three stooges whoop, 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 when he's spinning. And then you come <laughs> back to me and you tell me that it's there's not something there. Yeah. Um, but eventually the boat like sinks and a lot of people are left. Like the people who don't just fall to their death or get crushed by stuff, uh kind of line. Jack and Rose climb onto the stern where they had initially met, and they're able to get into the ocean. And they find this big door that is only enough for one person. And he's basically telling her, you're going to survive this, you're not going to die here, you'll die an old woman, warm in bed, uh, foreshadowing. And then mm -hmm. uh, there's eventually a point where, like, he just stops talking and, like, Oh yeah, because there's also a thing where a bunch of ships are nearby, and there's a debate on do they want to go? Like, is it even worth it? And one ship decides to go and look for survivors. Yeah, it's a really, it's a, it's a, it's a very like, I guess, no pun intended, chilling scene. Yeah, um, it's. I would have to look it up to see if this is like inspired by history, but the way they put emphasis on it, I have to assume it's like real or. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it feels like something that would have happened, I guess. Is oh yeah, no, it definitely, it. it definitely would be like it definitely would be something that would be like based off like a story or like things that they found post and like kind of inferred what happened. Yeah, um, but Rose in like a scene one again is very because even though you know that she does in fact survive, like it's just this like intense scene where the ship comes and she's just so weak. And like yeah, so she can't, she can't like get her voice loud enough for them to hear him. Yeah, but then ultimately realizing the only way to do it is to just get off this door and let Jack sink to the bottom. And like he's already dead. Um, he, mm -hmm. she climbs over and she's able to get someone's whistle and just kind of blow it. Mm -hmm. And then that's where like it comes back to the present, and she reveals that like sixteen hundred people went into the water and there were twenty boats nearby. And one boat came looking for anyone, and six people got, like, saved. And she explains, like, her fiancé eventually, like... Well, 
she well, she gets to New York and she gives her name as Rose Dawson, taking like Jack's last name. And she eventually surfaces sort of as an as like an actress and heard that her fiance uh took his own life after losing his fortune in the big Wall Street crash. And it's this thing where like the treasure hunter in the present now understanding the true weight of this like tragedy and that stuff but and realizing how silly this like treasure hunt is in comparison decides to like abandon the search at which point it she reveals to us like the audience that she has had this all along and then she gets she throws it into the sea over the titanic and then in the final scene they don't either she dies or she's just asleep but you see yeah. essentially all these photos of her life and in her mind or afterlife or whatever, she re gets to reunite with Jack on the grand staircase applauded by essentially everyone who died on Titanic. Mm -hmm. So yeah, um, uh, pretty good movie. <laughs> yeah. I, I would say, you know, pretty good. Definitely worth a watch. Um, definitely very, you know, pretty underground you may have heard of it definitely give it a chance though. yeah you all hear about this titanic just... <laughs> uh we like to champion the underseen gems Hold exactly <laughs> the undersea gems hey uh, hey yeah um yeah uh yeah 1998 uh my birth year um what an interesting lot of movies yeah, and an interesting result. So, the last thing I'll go into Titanic is it gets nominated for eight awards, which is less than Speed, but there's also, they no longer have, like, most desirable male and female categories, which I have to imagine it would have also won. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, but it only wins, only wins, uh, best movie. So, I'm making it, I... I forget if this is the first best movie winner to get nominated. It's certainly the first best picture winner to get nominated. Uh-huh. And it wins best male performance. Um, other nominations, which it does not win, are best female performance, best on-screen duo, best villain, best action sequence, and most egregiously, this one's almost more interesting than the best kiss loss. <laughs> uh, it loses best song. Celine Dion's oh. iconic My Heart Will Go On. Can you guess which song beat it out that year? Um, oh my, was it, is it something from The Wedding Singer? No. It <laughs> lost to Will Sm Men in Black by Will Smith, the rap he does over the credits of Men in Black. <laughs> you know what, that's a very 1985, uh, or 1998 thing. I, I, that makes sense. It's just, which, you know, respect, they're both great songs, but it's something yeah. where I'm like, like, yeah. My Heart Will Go On has become so ubiquitous over the years yeah, that it's just it's hard to believe it lost to Men in Black. <laughs> a song mostly known for the joke of Will Smith always doing a rap over movies he's in. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that is super weird. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. What? I guess there's... It's done, and I think it just goes to show if there's one thing we can learn that will change here is 
But in the especially in the days before the internet, where you actually had to call in if you wanted to vote on the MTV Movie Awards, like even if a movie was as endearing and as like popular as Titanic was, that's no guarantee in the early days of the MTV Movie Awards. Like we're we're before the time where like people could just organize campaigns to make them them win everything, which I think is like interesting. <laughs> yeah. Do I agree with the results? We'll get to it, but I can certainly respect that the people voted for the wedding singer to win Best Kiss this year. Like, mm-hmm. absolutely. All right. So Ben, do you want to give your your movie uh, yeah. now? Thanks. Give my top movies. Um, so this is going to be possibly a weird list. I would say at the bottom is probably the wedding singer, um, just because it's. It's just there's it's like a good movie. It's like a really kind of safe movie and it's like pretty funny. Um and the last movie Adam Sandler movie I watched was um A Crazy Nights, which is a bad Adam Sandler movie. Um yeah, not a good film. It's got it's got good elements, but it's not great. Um and it just it was just like the least compelling, but it it's also the movie that I would probably it's probably one of the only ones on this list other than Google Hunting that I'd watch again. Um, after that, we have Chasing Amy. Um, it's just there is just so much to chew on in this movie. It's not executed well, but it, it gives me stuff to think about. Like, what if this movie was done like impeccably well and incredibly nuanced? I feel like there could have been so it, it has it has it has interesting elements. Um, after that, I would have um, Titanic. Um, yep, and again, just a really good movie. Um, it's it, yeah, it's three hours, but it really didn't feel like that. That's always like the mark of like something that's really good. I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was also very similar with that for me, where it was super long, but I didn't feel it because there was always, there was always, it was always moving, you know. Um, yeah. and then between the top two, I would have to say that, um, Goodwill Hunting is my favorite movie out of this, with In being second, just because I, it's just something about a movie that is just so over the top and exaggerated that I really love. But Goodwill Hunting is a phenomenal film that I really, really enjoyed. Um, I think Robin Williams and Matt Damon do excellent performances. Robin Williams just has that very natural charisma that I absolutely adore. Yeah, no good, good rankings like. Interesting ones. Um, yeah, so for me, movies-wise, Chasing Amy firmly at the bottom as the one from this year that I just did not really like or connect to at all. Like, I think you're right, though. Like, it's an interesting movie. Yeah. Maybe it, there's it, a version of it that's great. Yeah, I think, yeah. But I, I totally understand, though. I would absolutely understand watching that movie and just not enjoying it at all. Yeah. Um, and then after, after that... In and Out and The Wedding Singer, I feel, are, like, pretty close for me. Pretty interchangeable in those positions. Maybe In and Out gets a slight edge for being funnier, but Wedding Singer is kind of more romantic, so I'll just say they're both in that kind of nebulous position. Uh, yeah, then for top two, like, I will say Titanic. This is the thir- third time I have watched Titanic in the last, like, 13, 15 months or so. <laughs> it is just undeniable to me. Like it's oh, such a good cool. movie. Goodwill Hunting also great. Like cl- classic film, 
beautiful like performances all around though but yeah there's no hunting in it just to be sure but yeah for me like it's titanic all the way but how did the kisses do yeah so right at the bottom this i don't think this is controversial at all is the chasing amy kiss this movie i think has um three or four kisses um and this one is the worst one um it's like a it's like a good like reveal um but it's also like between like one of our main characters and a character that like we see once and never see again um i think that the sort of the the love uh the the oh the the joey adams and the um ben affleck kiss is like pretty good i i i really liked the the sort of weird um like ben affleck um Jason Lee kiss. I think that was like because that whole scene to me is just really compelling. I think that's probably why I I, I uh, thought this movie was so interesting. But the kiss that is chosen for this nomination is clearly the worst. Um, after that, I think uh, everything else honestly is like pretty good. Um, these top four are are pretty close, but I think if I had to order them, it would be I think Goodwill Hunting. Um, I think it probably happens like pretty early on um to the point where like their their relationship is just so new that it's just it like you said it's just sort of get that kiss out of the way like awkward one i think it's very very neat in that way but it doesn't get have much gravitas um after that i would probably put the in and out kiss um i just like <laughs> i just like the leg that sort of like like jumps up onto onto um uh tom Selleck's back i think it's like a really like interesting point it's also like kind of like a a turning point of the movie of like him like really like oh i actually i actually am gay um and then i think the best one um i'm just gonna i think i have to agree with academy here i think the wedding singer one is great with the titanic one just coming in at second wow yeah i don't know what it is i think just like that kiss it was just very it was very real i don't know I think in Titanic are really close, but I, I I'm I'm siding with the Academy on this one. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I, I I I like that. I like the kiss and the wedding singer. Yeah, that's no respectable ranking. Um, I'm trying to create a mystery, so I think we're gonna <laughs> know how this goes here. I've been, yeah. So I'll say, yeah, at the bottom, probably the chasing Amy one. It's you know, it's an all right kiss, but like. The character, like Carmen Llewellyn, isn't even credited really. Like it's or mm-hmm. oh no, she's not credited. Well, she doesn't really have a name. She's like barely there. It's you know, it's whatever. Yeah, then Goodwill Hunting. Um, yeah, swapping food, kind of weird. <laughs> Just <laughs> it's a thing. Yeah, then In and Out, and yeah, definitely like a Battle of the Titans. Um. I'm gonna give the edge here to Titanic. I will res- if if this hasn't been going if this am going on for like being our first two hour episode, I'd maybe want to like fight this out a bit more. But honestly, <laughs> I get it. The wedding singer kiss is like really good. Like yeah, it's yeah, great. Think- like it does its job. I'm like okay, because initially I'm like, what Adam Sandler movie beat this? And then when I actually <laughs> watched it, I'm like, no, okay, I kind of get it. Like it's. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> a Titanic is just like it's just this beautiful movie for me. It's a masterpiece. I just find it so romantic. It's it's just kind of like 
it's sweetness versus pa- like passion i want to say and yeah, yeah in I this case for me i think the passion wins out mm-hmm. yeah no I, I i i can definitely see that yes so yeah, we we may not agree on on kisses, but we do agree on on the on the Titanic um, door debacle. Yeah, and we'll leave this for like our many fans to fight out to see who should have won. Maybe maybe also our first poll, like Titanic yeah. or Wedding Singer, the two <laughs> exactly. titans of kissing. Oh. I do find it interesting that Wedding Singer is at the bottom of your movie ranks and the top of your <laughs> kiss ranks. Yeah, well, yeah, I think, I think, um, yeah, it's, um, it definitely, like, it's a, it's a very polarizing thing. I think, yeah, because, like, the pro- the thing about The Wedding Singer is that it's, it's not even, it's not at all a bad movie. Um, it's, like, I would definitely watch it again way before, like, Chasing Amy. Um, but Chasing Amy just compels me. Like, it's, a, it, it's, I think I've, I feel like I've said this before on, or maybe I haven't said it on podcast, but I definitely said it to, like, friends and stuff. It is a movie that I would love to watch YouTube video essays about. Um, just, like, dissecting it, I guess. Oh, yeah, I can see that. It's definitely a lot to unpack. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah, as, as much as I, I, I criticize it, I, I kind of really do like um, when people, like, go way outside, I think, of their... I want to say like skill set or like or like re- just to see like what they produce yeah i um, can i can agree with that sort of even if like it it's an interesting film it's oh yeah it definitely um yeah. it definitely might it, it is possible that it, it did more harm than good especially in the time that it came out in terms of like the dialogue um around yeah. like, lgbt issues like, it's critical of Ben Affleck, maybe audiences might not have picked up on that. Like, yeah. it's, it's easy to see people just relating with him. Like, yeah, exactly. It's one, of those, it's one of those things that, like, it requires, it requires such, like, a, a extensive knowledge of these things and, like, an incredible level of nuance or stuff like that. Or you go in the complete opposite direction, like, um, like in and out and just go completely exaggeratory with everything. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. um... It's been very long. What's your recommendation of the week? Oh, my recommendation of the week. Oh no. Um. Oh, I had something, and now it's gone. Um. Jeez, this is really tough. Um. My recommendation of the week. You you do yours, and not let me let me give like a second to think about mine. Okay. Cool. So for recommendation of the week for me, um, I recently finished watching. Yeah. Old Fox Procedural Bone. Rewatching it with my mom. Um, I'm not sure if I can call it a great show, but it's one I enjoy watching a lot. It is on, if you're in Canada, it's on Prime Video or Disney Plus. And if you're in the States, it's like Hulu. And if you're elsewhere, probably Disney Plus. But it's a procedural, it's a mystery, if you will, about huh. this, yeah, essentially. An FBI agent played by David Boreanis called Seely Boof, and then who teams up with a forensic anthropologist named Temperance Brennan, who he always just calls Bone, who mm. works at the Jeffersonian Institution to take on the Smithsonian. And they solve crimes that typically involve skeletons. Sometimes it's because they're like long ago. Sometimes it's because like they were left out in the open and animals got to them. 
Um, in the later seasons, there's at least three different episodes where it's, oh, someone used acid on these bones. <laughs> and it's the show, it's, it's, it's humorous, it's dramatic, it's ridiculous. It's, it's, it's easy to just go as a show where it's like, wait, all the stuff involves bones somehow, but I, it's really like a show I enjoy. They do multiple Christmas episodes. There's a period where they'll just do episodes that reference, like, popular trends of the time. Like, there's an extreme couponing episode or, like, a Sister Wives episode or an Amish People in the City episode. Like, it's... Oh, no. And, yeah, it's really good. Watch Bones. Yeah. I think I've, I've had friends watch Bones, and I've sort of listened to it in the background. It does seem really interesting. Yeah, so my recommendation of the week um, is actually very similar to the the Sly Cooper one. It's more of a call to action. Um, everyone, look up uh, "Daddy Issues Animatic" on YouTube. Um, I think it's the first result. It's the one I was talking about with like the wedding singer, and like watch it if, you, especially if you haven't seen the wedding singer, watch it. And like, am I crazy or does it just? It sounds like the climax to like a Steve Buscemi movie where he was like a really or like. It just sounds like a very dramatic movie. I didn't know it was from The Wedding Singer, like a comedy. Um, that is my recommendation of the week. And then, um, yeah, I just want to feel validated that that was, that, that was an appropriate assessment of that. Very fair. All right. What do you got to plug? Yeah. Uh, my Twitter is at FutAlbi. That is um, F-U-T underscore A-L-B-E. E E. Um, my Instagram is not underscore two underscore pens. That is the number two, not written. Um, yeah, those are my two things I want to plug. Cool. You can find me on Twitter at like a Wolverine. You can find me and a list of movies we cover on this show and other things on Letterbox, also under like a Wolverine. Our theme song is done by Matt Samard. He's a cool guy. We watched Simpsons with him the other night. Um, that was awesome. Yeah. You can find this show on Twitter at, at @goldpopcornpod. Maybe I start us an Instagram at some point to also get in on the social media stuff. I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. You yeah. You can email us at passagoldenpopcorn at gmail.com with your thoughts on movies or if we get stuff egregiously wrong or what have you mm -hmm. and oh I, I should yeah follow us sub follow us or subscribe like like review tell tell your friends um the first several episodes or a few episodes of this we recorded without artwork but now i should say if you like our artwork you can thank ben because he did that <laughs> thank you I'm like, well, we should bring it up at least once, and we've already gone on for over two hours. Why not now? Oh, yeah, exactly. People listening to this are for the long haul. Just watch till I edit this so it's less than two hours, and everyone's like, why do they keep referencing two hours? <laughs> like, it's... <laughs> it's 159 minutes. Yeah. Uh, it's, I just finished editing, like, our last episode, which was the longest one yet, and we've already just broken that record. It's great. Oh, <laughs> uh, perfect. Yeah. But next week, we have... A year that will also inspire a lot of discussion for a couple reasons. Um, so I will t tee that up. So for next 
next week's episode. The nominees for 1999 Best Kiss are George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez, Out of Sight, Matt Dillon, Denise Richards, and Nev Campbell, Wild Thing, Jeremy Irons and Je Dominique Swain, Lolita. The sigh is. Don't watch 1997 Lolita unless you have to for a podcast. Uh, yep. <laughs> ben Stiller and Cameron Diaz. There's something about Mary. And the winner, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow and jo Joseph Fiennes. I've never learned his last name. Shakespeare in Love. It'll be a big episode. We're going to have a guest again. Great. It'll be fantastic. Thank you all for listening. Watch all of these movies at once, very, very fast, um, and let us know what you think. Yeah, keep passing the golden popcorn, and remember, he could not have fit on that freaking door with her. Oh, not even close. Yeah. Bye-bye. <laughs>